Hey, welcome to the Road Sermon Podcast, where in today's episode, we are exploring the powerful story of Hannah from the Bible. Hannah found strength in prayer, and her story teaches us about facing challenges, feeling misunderstood, and prioritizing God's kingdom. Join us to discover how Hannah's faith transformed her life and those around her. Get ready for timeless wisdom and life lessons from her story. So pop in those earbuds, settle into your favorite spot, and let's get this podcast rolling. Good morning. If you joined us online, thank you for making the choice to worship at the road. Grab a Bible, phone, something you can read God's Word from. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We are closing out our series uh, on powerful women. We've spent the last three weeks uh, talking about some of the women that God used greatly. Uh, we, We began with the life of Esther, a woman who was powerful in position. She was queen and placed there for such a time as this. Then there were Deborah and Jael, women powerful in purpose. Two very different women. One, a powerful, great spiritual leader. The other, the wife of a man who seemed to have no spiritual interest at all. And what we learned is that God's choice to use these women was not his second choice. But his first choice, he gifted them and he used them for a specific purpose, a powerful purpose. And we learned that if we will pursue God, that God will reveal our position and our purpose in life. If those things are unclear, if we will busy ourselves pursuing him, we will get clarity about why God has put us here. What he put us here to do. So today we're going to be looking at the life of a woman named Hannah at a message entitled Powerful in Prayer. And I want you to to begin reading with me in verse 1 of chapter 1. We're going to read through verse 20, kind of a long section of scripture, but we need to get the whole context of the story. So read along with me beginning in verse 1. Now there was a certain man from Ramathium, Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. And the, he was the son of Jeroham, the son of Elu, Elhu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Panina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept. And would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And Hannah arose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord. And she wept bitterly. And she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about, as she, was content, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. 
As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, no, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. For I have spoken until now out of, a great, of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning, and they worshipped before the Lord, and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, what a great uh, life has been recorded on the pages of Scripture for us to reflect on and, and to learn from, and I pray that we would today. Uh, Father, I pray that we would be able to see where we are in this story and make application to our life. Uh, Father, that we would give up, surrender what we need to. Father, we would pick up what you have called us to. Um, God, that we would take one more step in the transformation process of becoming like Jesus. We ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Several incredible lessons in this story. It's really, really a good story. We're going to try to see it just a little bit differently. But first lesson is this. Powerful people often live in circumstances beyond their own control. And we've talked about this uh, a couple of times in this series. That each of the women uh, in this series seem to be uh, a pawn of circumstances that were beyond their control. Esther chosen to be queen to a man she may not have loved, may not have even cared for. She had no say in the matter. J.L., the wife of a man who did not choose, uh, she did not choose him, and he was leading her in a way that she would not have chosen. But of all the women, Hannah found herself in the most difficult set of circumstances beyond her control. Hannah could not have a child. Nothing she could do about it. It was not a situation she would have ever chosen. It was not a situation she enjoyed. She was a victim of circumstances beyond her control. Which leads us to our first point of application, and that is this. Faith does not exempt us from circumstances that are beyond our control. So let's talk about control for just a second. What does control look like? By the way, how many of you out there really, really struggle with control issues? Okay, anybody lying maybe? <laughs> right, because there's way more of you than that who struggle with control. What, what is control? Here, here's what control is. This is good. This is the light bulb moment. This is light bulb moment, right? Control is hoping everything turns out good for me and the people I love. That's what control is about. And we'll look right up here at me. Control is about trying to make everything perfect in life. Perfect marriage. Oh, how about this one? Perfect kids. Good luck. Right? But, but it is. And, and here's what happens. You become an extremely frustrated parent. You become an overbearing parent. Trying to control even into adulthood, right? How, how about this? The perfect Christmas. Perfect Thanksgiving. Everything's just got to be right. 
because you're in control and control's about everything being good and wonderful and perfect. And somewhere along the lines, we became convinced that all we really have to do is throw a little God in the mix. And then it's guaranteed to be good. But when we start unpacking the lives of people in Scripture, here's what we discover. All of their lives are out of control. And watch this. The moment God showed up was the moment they were out of control the most. That all of our lives have an element of truth to that. So, so the practical thing we want to walk away from this with is determining the difference between what we control and what we do not control is the beginning of living a powerful life. So what do you control and what do you not control? How about this one? We don't control our family of origin. Okay? You got a crazy family? Hey, hang on. Not in your control. Now, there ought to be some people right now going, Whew. right? Because listen, you may be trying to take a responsibility God never intended for you to take. You're trying to rein all the crazy in. And God would be saying, I never asked you to do that. Right? Bad things happen to you. I mean, things that should have happened to nobody, that's out of your control, right? Understand, it's out of your control. Nothing you could do about it. People's opinion? Out of your control. Frustrating, yes. Just own that. Yes, this frustrates me. I wish I could have done something. But it's out of your control. Now, do not confuse this with the stupid tax. Right? So what is a stupid tax? That's making bad decisions and bad things happening to you. That's in your control. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that, um, well, that we, we just can't control. The, how the guy in the other car drives? Now, now you should be seeing whether you have control issues <laughs> or not. Um, how about the weather? I mean, you, do you realize how frustrated we get if the weather doesn't turn out the way we want? And it wasn't just Hannah who had a life out of control. And that, this, Guys, this is a phenomenal story. Listen closely to this. Elkanah, her husband, struggled. Uh, in verse 8... He didn't understand why his love wasn't enough to make everything okay. And I will tell you that if you live with someone who has experienced deep hurt, you will wonder why your love isn't enough. And here's one of the hardest lessons in life, whether it's somebody you live with or somebody you love is that sometimes love isn't enough to fix what has happened in life. Okay, and I looked at her and said, my love for you is better than ten sons, but it wasn't enough. Hard, hard lesson. But here's the truth. What Hannah was going through was beyond his control. It was out 
of his control. So what is? What is in our control? Well, my thoughts are in my control. My, my actions, where I put my energy, how I spend my time. What I believe is in my control. What I believe is in my control. So, so being powerful doesn't mean being in control. Hannah could do nothing to fix her problem. And to make it worse, she had an adversary. Panina was ridiculing her day after day, year after year. And being powerful was realizing that what is out of my control is still in God's control. So watch this. Pay close attention. You got a crazy family. A dysfunctional family. That's not out of God's control. God can still do something in the lives of your family. Right? You, you got a situation that you look at and say, man, it, it's out of my control. The opinion of others. What somebody else says about you. You can't do anything about that. But God can. He can shape your character with it. And he can change their life. It's not out of God's control. How about the weather? God can even change the weather. Right? You don't believe me? Ask Elijah. And God made it rain. Ask Joshua who watched God make the sun stand still. What's out of our control is still in God's control. And that's the first step, that realization of living a powerful life. Number two. Powerful people often feel forgotten. Uh, again, incredible story when you take the time to really dive into it. Uh, there's some words used in this story that are not used in Esther's story, Deborah's story, or J.L.'s story. Words like bitterness, provoke. Words like wept, sad, greatly distressed. And these words are used because this is a hard and a painful story. And Hannah begins to pray, and she is known for her prayer, but I want you to know what she prayed. Her prayer is in verse 11. And it comes down to a simple statement. She asked God to remember her. Would you just remember me? Um, would you look at my pain? Literally, what she said, would you look at my poverty? And would you remember me? Now watch this. This is a woman who loved God and was serving God and yet felt forgotten by God. I need you to hear it. And when you love God and you serve God, it's really difficult when you feel forgotten by God. And maybe you've had a situation or a season in life where you had a burden or or a broken heart, or, or a need in your life, or maybe something happened with your children, or your job, or your finances, and you felt like God had forgotten you. That if there was a God at all, He did not know your name. And if He did know your name, He didn't care. And sometimes we all get to that place in life. Hannah got there. Uh, she's praying, and and her prayer has been reduced to a sentence. Just remember me. Just remember me. Third truth. 
Powerful praying people are often misunderstood. One of the things that, that makes this life hard when you struggle is having no one who understands exactly what it is you're going through. And this, this was Hannah. And I, I love her husband. Th- this guy is such a great guy. Do you realize what he, he, he was giving her twice as much as he gave everything? Everyone else in his family look right up here at me and make sure you hear this. And stuff wouldn't fix the problem. He was willing to do anything. I'll give you all my love. I'll give you all my stuff. And nothing he could do could fix what she was going through. He was a good guy. And if you and I live long enough, you and I are going to have somebody in our life who does not understand what we're going through. You say, how do I know that, um, that Elk and I did not understand what Hannah was going through? Because in verse 8, he looks at her and he says, why are you so sad? That's a question that comes from someone who doesn't understand. Doesn't always come out like that. Sometimes it comes out like this. How long is it going to take you to get over this? Why haven't you moved on? Why is this such a big deal to you? And sometimes it comes from a mate, and sometimes it comes from a friend. But it always comes from people who don't understand. And it wasn't just her husband, then there's Eli the priest, right? Because you ought to be able to go to your pastor. And he's watching this woman pray with such passion and such emotion that he thinks she must be drunk. How broken does your heart have to be for you to look drunk? How, How big does that burden have to be For you to pray and somebody think you're drunk. Eli had not seen someone who cared so much about what they were praying for that there were no words, only tears. And then there's verse 7. For years and years. Uh, don't read this passage too quickly. This wasn't something that happened in the course of months or even a year. This was something that happened over years, perhaps decades. For years and years she prayed. And I'm sure that there were people in her life who said things like this. Why do you keep praying? If God hasn't given you a child by now, he's not going to give you a child. Move on, Hannah. I paused as I was, I was working on this message when I got to this, this point. And I asked myself this question. How many powerful people in Scripture were misunderstood by the people around them? A lot. Noah was ridiculed. Abraham, get, I mean, think about this guy. He's living around all of his people. They're doing, they're doing all right. One day he hears a voice. Okay. Get in perspective, goes to everyone who knows him and says, I'm leaving. Why are you leaving, Abraham? Because I heard a voice. Where are you going? The voice didn't tell me, it just said, Go. People who don't understand what following God looks like. David was criticized by his wife for how he worshiped God because she didn't understand. John the Baptist didn't dress like everyone else, didn't act like everyone else. Nobody understood. The disciples, 
who walked away from their jobs to follow an itinerant preacher and nobody understood. How about Paul? Who some would tell you was in line to be the next chief priest. The high priest. And he walked away from it all because he heard a voice on the Damascus road that changed his life forever. And you begin to realize that sometimes when you're following Jesus, being misunderstood is not a bad thing. Last point. Listen to this one. The best we know is not the best there is. The be- you need to write that down. That's not an original thought, but it's a good thought. The best we know is not the best there is. You and I live for the best we know. What we really believe is the best. And, and there is a message that's woven throughout Scripture um, that what we know, okay, this is, this is the gospel message, as simple as I can put it. Look right up here at me. Is that the best you and I know is not the best there is. The best we know is not the best there is. And if we could somehow we rewire our brain to convince ourselves that dying with the most toys is not the best there is. That there's something better than what we know. That having accumulated the most stuff is not the best there is. That there's something better than what we know. If we could really believe that the best we know is not the best there is, it would change our lives forever. Hannah did. Watch this. What was the best Hannah knew? The one thing that she believed, if she got it, life would be perfect. It was a a baby. Right now, I want you to pause for a second. I want you to fill that blank in. Because everybody's got that sentence in their life. If I just had... A mate who loved me. The home I've always wanted. If I could retire to whatever it is, right? Fill that blank in. But here was the difference with Hannah. She realized the best I know, a child, is not the best there is. And so she said this. Give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I will surrender what you've given me the best I know, for the best there is, your kingdom. Unreal insight into life. Unreal. Is it tough? Yes, it is. You see, it's always tough when you begin to live like there's something better out there. People will not understand when we really begin to live like the best we know is not the best there is. Two closing thoughts. The ripple effect is real. Um, Our lives are woven together like a great tapestry. And and all of our lives touch each other and impact each other in both positive and negative ways. And I want you to think for a moment about the lives that Hannah's life touched. There were three uh, specifically that she touched and impacted in some significant way. The first one was the mean girl. Right? Panina. Persecuted her, ridiculed her, reminded her of her weakness in life every day of life. 
And this went on for years. And she would watch her pray and probably snicker when she saw her praying. Until God said yes. The way God answered this prayer, did you catch it? And he remembered her. He remembered. What do you think happened in Penina's life? The girl who had persecuted her, laughed at her, said mean things to her when she saw God answer that prayer. See, there's only two choices. It either became a moment when it moved her toward God or a moment when it moved her further away from God. That's it. Only two choices. Then there was her husband, Elkanah. And he watched his wife pour her heart out to God year after year, weeping one prayer, please remember me. To know someone who prayed so long and so hard for something. And everyone, had, everyone else had given up on that prayer ever being answered. Did her husband fall deeper in love with God because of his wife's prayer? Then there's Eli the priest. The priest who had been around church and done church things so long and, and had not seen someone so fervently pray in so long he thought she was drunk. Um, the things of God became mundane. I had a similar experience uh, in my life not too many weeks ago. We started doing something differently here. If you observe, you've seen us do it. Uh, and that's involving people uh, in the baptism of, of people they love when they've been a part of the faith journey. Right? I just need you to make sure before I get inundated. You can't just come up and go, I want to baptize somebody. Because we're going to ask you, what was your role in their faith journey? Right? Did you share Jesus with them? How, how are you used in this? Because the people that are getting to tread into those waters and be a part of their friend's baptism, they were using that journey. But I'm sitting on the front row, and one of our guys is baptizing somebody. And, you know, we've had dads, and we've had moms, and we've had coaches, and we've had all friends, all kinds of people who were part of their journey show up. And I begin to see their faces, and they were so excited about who they loved getting baptized. And I realized something in our life. We baptize a lot of people. Always at the end of the service, right? And we're always out of time. And it becomes business. We've got to get you in. We've got to get you out. I begin to watch the faces of dads and moms and friends. And I begin to say, now that's, that's what it looks like to see God and be excited about God doing something in the life of somebody you love. And I had an Eli moment. I had an Eli moment. I need you to know that everything about your life touches somebody else's life. Even your pain. Even your pain. I'm going to wrap this up with one statement. This whole series comes down to this statement. Choose God's kingdom over your kingdom. It's so clear. Esther, who was the queen of a kingdom. Make sure you get it. Don't check out on me yet, okay? Chose God's kingdom over her kingdom.
Deborah and Jael chose God's kingdom over their kingdom. Hannah, give me God's kingdom. I choose God's kingdom over my kingdom. You see, life is filled with choices. What will yours be? What will yours be? Would you bow your heads with me today? Um, I, I don't know where you are in life. I, life may appear to be completely out of control to you. A marriage out of control, a family out of control, a business out of control, emotions out of control, health out of control. And it may have been that way for so long that you feel like God has forgotten you. That no one understands what you're going through, not your mate, not your friend, sometimes not even your church understands. And I want to just remind you that the best you and I know is not the best there is. And I would encourage you today to take a fresh look at what it means to follow Jesus. To get a new perspective or to maybe begin following him for the first time. Our ministers are here today. Victor is here. Elijah is here. And I believe in a really big God. A God who's probably, if he's speaking to you right now, has been speaking to you for some time. A God that has the power to make it unmistakable what he wants you to do. But we still get to choose. Would you choose Jesus today? Would you choose obedience today? Would you choose a closer walk? Would you choose his kingdom over your kingdom? Father, I thank you for the time you've given us. God, I pray that, uh, and I'm confident that your voice will be unmistakable in our lives today. We're excited to see what you do. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.